So I have a question for you to start out here tonight. How many of you would consider yourself to be a procrastinator? Just raise your hand. If you are a procrastinator in the room, okay. Some of you even procrastinated on raising your hands. There's a guy in the back like, you know, some of you guys back there, right? Well, procrastination is something that we can all struggle with, right? Putting things off till tomorrow. Um, You know, my kids are great procrastinators when it comes to bedtime. Remember when you were a kid, you would do anything to push bedtime further away, right? And I'm just telling you, I know we got some young people here. When you get to be older, you get, as as a parent, you get to start to have fun messing with your kids a little bit because they'll be like, man, mommy, dad, I just want to stay up. Can can I just stay up and watch something with you guys? And this is where you can mess with them because you can tell them you're going to watch something that they're going to completely hate, but they'll watch it anyway just because they want to stay up. So you'd be like, uh, well, mommy and I are planning on watching a documentary on the uh, ring-tailed lemur. And so if you'd like to stay up with us and watch that, and you don't want to watch it, but at least you're messing with them, you know? So they're, you're sitting there watching the ring-tailed lemur thing, and the narrator guy's like going, the ring-tailed lemur, before migration, hibernates for a long month. We were going to show you images and pictures over the next half hour. And then the kids are like, ah, amazing, you know? And you're like, victory, you know? It's so great, totally messing with the kids. And so they will put that off. And then they have a couple more techniques. You know what their techniques are? Just yell them out. When you were a little kid, uh, you got past, finally you got upstairs, but you had two more techniques at least to prolong bedtime. Number one, water. I'm thirsty. I want to drink. Mom, please. Second one? Bathroom, that's right, very good. You guys got them. And they're not going to the bathroom in there. They're just jumping up and down because they're still awake, right? They, they think they beat us, right? Uh, I guess I can't come down too hard on procrastination because this past week I procrastinated. Um, obviously, I have a little injury going on here, and I'm going to let you decide how I got this injury, okay? Uh, a, I was dragging a helpless person out of a burning building. So that's, why are you laughing? Why, why, why would that be unbelievable about my character and abilities? Really? Okay. Second, uh, I was fighting off some hooligans, some bandits that were taking care of some old ladies. I had to just, you know, put them at ease. Now, and lastly, uh, softball, church softball, yes. Uh, possibly may have been that one, tagging somebody out. And so I got home Monday night from dragging the people out of the building, and my wife said, you need to go get an x-ray. You know, this, is, looks, this doesn't look great. And I was like, yeah, but I have a softball game tomorrow night too, and so I'm going to kind of put that off. So I, I waited a day. I played softball again, and then Wednesday went and found out that, that sure enough, I have a, a broken thumb and I have a partially torn ligament. And the doctor said something unbelievably ingenious to me when I was in there. Uh, He looked at me, this very learned man, and he said, Doug, you know, the thumb is an important part of the body that we use every day. And I wanted to go, well, thank you, Sir Isaac Newton, for that revelation, (laughs) that nugget of wisdom. Can you say that again a little slower so I can write that down? I just wanted to punch him, honestly. But... Here I am, and, and the funny thing is, is I probably, because I procrastinated, because I put things off till tomorrow when it came to the x-ray and everything, I probably made things worse. You know, I played another softball game. It probably made things worse. And this is what I want to just sort of start out by saying tonight is that we often, when we procrastinate, when we say tomorrow, when we put things off that we know we should do, it often makes things worse, doesn't it? Now, I don't want to just talk with you in this series about stop procrastinating, you know, go home, guys, and mow the lawn, and don't procrastinate, you know, paying your bills. Like, that's not what I want to talk about, okay? That's important stuff. Don't procrastinate with that. But much more importantly, I want to talk with you about what I think we all can suffer from at one point or another, and that's spiritual procrastination. It's when we know God wants us to do something, but we keep saying tomorrow. God, I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll deal with that next week. Some of us in the room have had something that God has put on our heart for years, and we keep just saying, I'll do it tomorrow, God. I'll get to it tomorrow. Eventually, I'll do, God, what you want me to do. And we put it off, and we put it off, and God's saying, no, today, 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 and we're going tomorrow, tomorrow, 
tomorrow. And so for the next few weeks, I want to talk with you about some of these things that I think we can struggle with. And this is so important for a couple of reasons to talk about this idea of spiritual procrastination. One of the reasons it's so important is because we only have so much time. We only have so much time. Now, I know a lot of young people in the room, night service, a lot of you feel like you got forever, right? But we only have so much time. Moses actually wrote some of the Psalms. I know we always think David, but Moses wrote some too. And one of the things he said is beautiful. This, this should be our prayer when we think about this. Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That's an incredible prayer. God, teach me to number my days. And I don't wanna say this in like a morbid way, like we should be scared or worried or fearful, but in a good way, we should say, okay, God has things for me to accomplish here on planet Earth, and I wanna accomplish them. And if we're gonna accomplish them, then we have to number our days and say, okay, God, let every day count. Something I tell my wife and my kids all the time, sometimes I'll pray that with our staff. We only get one shot at today. And so we want to live it to the fullest, live it so that God will use us in the biggest and most powerful ways he possibly can. And when we number our days, we gain a heart of wisdom. What does that mean? It means we gain perspective. We look at life a different way when we realize, I've only got so much time to make an impact here. I don't want to waste time procrastinating. And so this wisdom comes, this perspective comes, this richness of life comes, I think, when we number our days and we don't just say tomorrow and we don't just say, I'm going to keep putting it off. And I have to say that we are not great at this. We are not great at this. I mean, we live in this culture where it's like, hey, buy now and pay for the next 17 years. Hey, that sounds good because we don't really worry about the future too much. We don't really worry about long term too much, right? And so we're just kind of coasting along day to day, yeah, whatever. And God's saying, no, make today count. Today, today matters. Think long term. Think about how much your life could accomplish if you were to live every day like it mattered and it, and it had a number on it. Another reason I think this is so important, even if we did live forever, which, you know, I mean, yes, we live forever in Jesus, right? Eternal life in Christ. But even if we lived forever here on this earth in this same life, then there's still another reason not to, not, not to spiritually procrastinate and put off what God wants us to do. And you know what that is? It's that when God calls us to do something, it's for a reason. Like when we open up his word and we are reading it and we're convicted that we should do something or God puts on our heart, hey, I want you to do this, I want you to do that. There's a purpose behind it. God has your good in mind and my good in mind. He's got some kind of awesome outcome down the road for us. And we know that because he works all things for good. And so even if getting to that outcome is difficult and it has its ups and downs, God's wanting this amazing outcome for you and I. And here's what we do. When we procrastinate the obedience, we also delay the outcome, right? God's wanting some of us to be in a certain place in life. And as long as we procrastinate from doing what he's calling us to do, we keep on pushing that outcome that he has for us further and further away. You know, maybe some of us in the room, it's like, I wanted to be married by now. Well, maybe, and I'm not saying this is true in every case, right? Sometimes it's just God has a different timetable than we do. But maybe for some of us in the room, the reason that hasn't lined up yet is because there are still several things that God's been calling us to do that we just haven't done yet. And so we've pushed off being in the place he had for us, right? And so being on that right path in that right time is so important. And as long as we keep saying tomorrow, 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 we're pushing off that awesome result that God has for us. And so for these couple of reasons, I wanna share for the next several weeks some things that I think we struggle with, some ways that I think we tend to spiritually procrastinate. 
And I want to challenge us to, to get to these today, to deal with these while the sun is still up today. I mean, before you get out of this service, the sun will still sort of kind of be up today, all right? And so there are things God's calling us to deal with and not put off even until tomorrow. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of these things. Tonight, we're going to talk about three different areas that are intermingled, three different areas that are really, really closely connected as we look at God's word. And the first one is anger. Some of us really struggle with anger. Some of us, we get wronged by somebody and we just have such a difficult time letting go of the offense and the hurt that we feel from that. And I just got to say, all of our communicators do a great job as we talk about this stuff because we, we realize we're not trying to minimalize your pain. We're not trying to say, oh, come on, just get over it. It's no big deal. Some of us have been deeply wounded and anger has welled up inside of us and it becomes so difficult to let it go. We've been stabbed in the back by a loved one. We've been betrayed. Our confidence was betrayed. Our trust was betrayed. We've been so wounded. Someone who never should have said or done certain things said or did terrible things. And this anger wells up in us. And this is one of the things that is so easy for us to just keep saying to God, tomorrow, God, tomorrow. Not today, though. I'm gonna deal with this tomorrow. Another thing closely related is unforgiveness, right? Because here's what happens. When we keep saying, hey, God, I'll deal with my anger tomorrow, eventually it becomes unforgiveness, right? That anger turns into an offense that we cling to and we hold on to, and it's so difficult to get past it. We go tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. God's saying, I want you to forgive today. Don't put it off until tomorrow. Maybe God's been telling you for 10 years, forgive today. We keep going tomorrow, Lord, tomorrow. But we can't keep putting it off. Why? Because we gotta number our days. And because God has an outcome for that situation, the person that God's been calling you to forgive, God has some kind of a freedom, some kind of a release, maybe some kind of a restoration of a relationship in that situation. And we keep pushing that outcome further and further away the more that we delay. The next part, again, closely related is offense. And this is not when we're offended. This is when we have offended somebody else. This is when the person that hurt us, betrayed us, Now we've lashed back at them and we have hurt them and there's a purpose for us then to have to go and say, hey, I am so sorry for what I've done. I'm so sorry for my part in this. Yeah, you hurt me, but I hurt you too. And this is, again, this is a tough one that we often push off till tomorrow because we don't wanna deal with some of the pain and and the struggling in that. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, we wanna talk about what God's word has to say about this. We want to talk about how Jesus handled situations like this. And we also want to say, if you're not a follower of Jesus, it's awesome that you're here and and the same answers apply to you. And there's a big answer for you at the end that I'm excited to share with you as well. And so why should we deal with anger and unforgiveness and offense today and not put it off until tomorrow? Well, that's what we're going to see here today today. And this is the kind of message where we have to jump around a little bit in scripture, unfortunately. Like Jesus didn't just do a whole, you know, nice chapter on this together, anger, unforgiveness, and offense. You know, Paul didn't do a nice chapter on these three. So we got to bounce around a little bit. We're going to keep everything in context, and I'm going to kind of give you a little backstory on each one. So the first thing we're going to talk about here is anger, and those, those things we're just tempted to hang on to, those hurts, those pains, those wounds that we're tempted to cling to and not let go. Why should we deal with them today? Well, well, Paul, who had his life, life transformed by Jesus, was writing 
a letter to his friends in Ephesus. And as he's writing, this is one of the things that came up. And, and the Ephesians had some issues internally. And they were fighting and they were, weren't getting along. And, and there were some issues there. And so Paul, in Ephesians 4, wrote this. And this is familiar probably to a lot of you guys, this verse. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. What's that saying? Today, today deal with the anger in your heart. Now, hey, it's almost June, so you have even a little extra sunlight today to deal with the anger in your heart, right? But that's what Paul's driving out here. Hey, today deal with it. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't even wait until tonight before the sun goes down. Deal with the anger in our heart. Why? Why? A couple reasons. First, you go to bed angry. How do you wake up? More angry. You don't sleep well. You're tossing and turning. You're waking up. You're thinking about it all night. You're grouchy. You wake up in the morning more angry. So Paul says, hey, deal with it today. But the second reason is right in the verse. Don't give the devil a foothold. What does that mean? Well, do you you know what a foothold is? A foothold is basically like a next step, right? It's a place that someone can firmly plant their foot. Okay, remember when you were real young or maybe you're here, you have little kids like I do. And and what do they want? Like a boost, you know, land that'll come. Hey, I want to climb that tree, dad, give me a boost. And so what does he want? He wants wants this. He wants a place to put his foot, a foothold, so he can get a boost up into the tree. In the pool, right? You run to your dad, dad, you know, throw me, you know, launch me, right? And you'd want him, him to do this and give you a foothold so you can take a next step. And that's what Satan's looking for, the anger in our heart. He's looking for that foothold, that next step in our life. And listen, when you and I refuse to deal with our anger, it's kind of like we look at Satan and we go, wants that? Want a boost into my life, into my heart? And he goes, I sure do. And while I'm in there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop off a little jealousy, add that to the anger. Maybe, I'll, I'll, maybe you'll just let me stay around long enough to turn that anger into some unforgiveness. And maybe I can get some tempers raging. Man, I'll mess up as much as I can. The more time you give me a foothold, the more damage I can do. And so our anger needs to be dealt with today because we don't want to wake up more angry tomorrow and we don't want to give the enemy a chance to add more problems. Why is my hand probably more hurt or damaged than it should be because I, I waited to deal with it and therefore it probably was broken more or hurt or injured more. And the same is true for us. When we wait to deal with our anger, we're giving the enemy that chance to break even more in our lives. And so we need to deal with our anger today. Now, some of you are saying, but Doug, how? And Doug, I have some objections. Well, we're going to kind of tackle all that at the end. We're going to answer how do I deal with anger, offense, and unforgiveness. And we're also going to talk about the objections and some of the things that you might be thinking are, but Doug, you don't know my story. You don't know how wounded I've been. And and, and we're going to get to all that, okay? But the question that I want to ask you right now is what anger are you holding on to today? What anger are you holding on to today? Who are you angry at right now? Because I think the wisdom that we gain when we number our days and we look at a verse like this is to realize life's too short to hang on to anger. It's only going to make things worse to hang on to anger. It's only going to cause more brokenness. Now let's talk about unforgiveness. This, this is like an interesting backstory, okay? It's gonna seem like I'm, I'm taking us somewhere different. I'm not. This is really powerful, actually. See, here, right before these verses we're about to read, when Jesus speaks in Mark 11, Jesus was teaching about the power of prayer. Now, it's important 
for a reason here, okay? Not only was he teaching about the power of prayer, he was demonstrating how powerful prayer is, okay? And as he's talking about prayer, and listen, just imagine Jesus is on the stage telling you all about the power of prayer. You're excited. You're thinking, I want to go pray for somebody who's sick and see him healed. I want to call down lightning and thunder from heaven, and it's going to be this great, you know, great show. I have this great faith, this great power right now. And so our faith is real high. And then look what Jesus does. It's actually brilliant. In Mark eleven twenty five, 25, it says, and when you stand praying, okay, so I just built up your faith about praying. And when you're there praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. There's urgency in that verse. He's saying, okay, so when you're praying, hey, I just taught you all about prayer. I taught you how powerful it is. That's what Jesus is saying to his followers. And when you're praying, if you understand that there's something in your heart against somebody, forgive them. It's almost like Jesus is saying, hey, it's great and all to go pray for the sick, but what's more important, what's more pressing is right then and there that you forgive, that you don't wait till tomorrow. Deal with the hurt in your heart. Deal with the offense. Deal with what you are holding against that other person today. And I just wonder why he was saying this. I wonder what was going on. He's telling his followers this. There's a couple things that I could think about. I mean, here are 12 guys, right, the followers of Jesus that have been doing life together for years. You, you have to know they probably had some issues between them, right? I mean, we see in Scripture, sometimes they were jealous of each other, sometimes they're angry. And here's what I have to believe. I have to believe this. And I believe this because I think God has a huge sense of humor. I mean, just look at us all. And so, here, I believe that the 12 disciples were playing some good pranks on each other at some points. And you know, like, as good pranks are played, it always goes a little too far. You know how that works, right? Um, here at the office, we, we, we play a lot of pranks. Andrew and I actually share an office, the guy who was leading worship here tonight. And uh, we share an office, and so we're always messing with each other. We're always messing around, doing things to one another. And um, this past week, I'm sitting at my desk, and, and Andrew was gone for a while. And it just had been a while since I messed with him. So I was like, I got to do something to Andrew. And, and I looked over on his desk, and he had a couple bags of food for his lunch. He had a bag of, of fishies, which is a very mature snack for a 27-year-old. And uh, he had a bag of carrots. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I got to just do something stupid. I didn't know how much time I had. This is not like a great mastermind prank. But I had some pretzels on my desk, which is rather mature for a 38-year-old. And so uh, I grabbed them, and I ran over, and I dropped them in his fishy bag just to see if it would, like, mess with his head a little bit. And, and then I, I took some uh, mints out of my pocket, and I threw it in the bottom of his carrot bag, you know. And so so as I'm doing that, I hear this noise in the hallway, and I'm like, that's weird. What's going on? So I grab the door to open it to see what's going on, and Andrew was holding the doorknob on the outside, and we both just kind of stop and look at each other and start laughing. And I'm like, what did you do? And so then I realized he, at the same time I was messing with him, was messing with me. Uh, if you go up into the hallway and, and near our offices, this picture frame hangs there. And back in the day, there used to be like some kind of churchy sheep thing in there or something. I don't even know. And so we took the sheep out, and now we just play jokes on each other. We just put like inside jokes in there. And so I look at the thing, and Andrew had gotten me. So our youth, our youth leader team has this texting thread going. And like a year ago, as we were texting about something, I just decided for some stupid reason to, to put a dragon emoji in there. You guys know this picture, right? You've seen that, right? I just put it in there one time, and for whatever reason, like, I do it every single time we text now. I don't quite know why. I don't understand why. It probably annoys everyone in the thread. But I look up at the wall, and Andrew had made this for me. <laughs> and Andrew, I don't know, man. I don't know why. I'm sorry, bro. But anyway, Andrew, Andrew comes in, and, and I'm laughing about that. And he comes in, and he sits down, and he's looking at his, his fishies, and he's like, did you put these pretzels in here? I'm like, no, man, what are you talking about? You know, I'm looking back. 
you didn't put these pretzels down? No, man, your grandma probably put them in there when she packed your lunch this morning. I don't know. You know, it's like, Nita. And uh, so he's, you know, he's, he's like, okay, just kind of, all right. So he just keeps eating. And then he gets to his carrots. And about, I'm talking like a half hour later, he finally finishes his carrots. And then he's just staring at the bottom of his bag. And, and he's like, what, what, what is this? And he looks over at me. He's like, did you throw mints in my bag? I'm like, yeah, because that morning, this is great, that morning he had gone into the carrot bag to transfer into his little baggie to bring the, or his grandma did anyway. Um, and, uh, he found some of those slimy carrots, you know, those nasty slimy carrots. And so he thought there was carrot slime in the bottom. I was like, victory. Yes, this is awesome, you know. So I have to believe that the disciples were messing with each other. And sometimes things go too far. I don't know if Peter, you know, toilet paper, Judas's camel one too many times. Or like what happened? Sort of set Judas off. I don't know, man. I made that up. Um, but I have to believe that there were some issues there. Maybe it was something between them. Maybe it was something serious between them. They're always fighting about who was most important and who was going to be next to Jesus and all this. And But maybe, maybe, maybe it was the fact that Jesus had just come into the city and everyone around was yelling, Hosanna. Hosanna, which means salvation has come. And in just a week's time, they would stop yelling, Hosanna, and they'd start yelling, crucify. And I just wonder if Jesus' followers needed their hearts ready to forgive, if they needed to be ready to say, why are they beating Jesus? Why have they driven nails through his hands and his feet? Why are they spitting on him? Why are they mocking him? I just wonder if Jesus was already modeling for them the heart that we are to have, that we forgive. And so, Whatever reason Jesus was sharing this in the moment, we can understand that this is just as important for you and I, that that when we are praying, if we realize there's any unforgiveness in our heart, we need to forgive then and there, not put it off, not wait till tomorrow, but do it today. If we can just look at the bottom of that verse, I think what we'll find here in, if we can go back to, uh, what was that, Mark 11.25, in the bottom there, it says, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. And I just think real quickly we have to just talk about that because that could be a little confusing. You might be thinking, okay, so is this like an earning my salvation thing? Like if I don't forgive, then God's not gonna forgive me? Is it like I have to earn salvation by forgiving? No, what Jesus is saying here is not that. Jesus isn't saying, hey, forgive, so then you're worthy of salvation. Jesus is saying real Christians forgive. That's what they do. I'm not saying, hey, forgive so that you can earn being a real Christian. I'm just saying real Christians forgive. You know, I don't think that God's calling all the angels around tonight and saying, hey, let's, let's watch Jack down there. See, Jack was just really hurt and really wronged. And, and if he forgives, then he'll be worthy of salvation. No, I, but I do think what might be happening is God's calling the angels around saying, hey, watch my boy Jack. Watch how he forgives. He's my boy. He loves me so much, and he never looks more like me than when he forgives. Because that's what Christians do. Why? Because we've been forgiven. Because everything we have is because of grace. The sin in my heart against God over and over, day in, day out, is forgiven. And the same is true for you. And so my question for you is, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive today? Here we are in a church service, worshiping, hearing scripture, praying, 
And like that verse said, if we realize there's unforgiveness in our heart, if we're holding anything against anyone, forgive them today. Fence, let's talk about this last one. Jesus was talking here about how murder was wrong, and, and then he kind of raised the bar. He talked about not even holding a grudge or, or letting an offense remain. Look in Matthew 5, 23. He says this, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. And so this isn't about you having an offense in your heart. This is about the person you've offended and going to them and apologizing to them. And in Jesus' day, the people would come in and they would bring up their offering or their gift. And Jesus here says something so powerful. He says, it matters to me so much what's going on in the inside of your heart. It matters to me so much that you be right with the people around you in your life that I would rather you leave the gift, go deal with it, and then come back. I would rather you, if you, in that moment, the guys are passing the offering plate, I would rather you go deal with it. Some of you are thinking, man, I just figured out a way to never give anything in church. That's brilliant. Every time the offering plate comes around, I'll just figure somebody else knew I gotta go reconcile with. But it says there in the bottom, then come give your gift. So your gift is important to God. Your worship is important to God. But more important is that you go and you say to somebody that you've wronged, please forgive me. Tom Constable says this, it's more important to lift the load of hate from another brother's heart than to engage in a formal act of worship. And so here we are today in church, and we're gonna continue the message and sing a closing song and then have a prayer time. And you know what I would encourage you to do? I would encourage you, if there's someone in your life you need to go apologize to, I'd encourage you to get out of here before the service is even over. And go deal with it. Go make a phone call. Go show up at somebody's house that you need to apologize to. Now, let's talk about an objection here that comes up with this. Some of you are thinking, Doug, I've tried that. I've tried to make things right. I've asked forgiveness, and they won't forgive me. It's just not happening. Well, then you've done all you can do. And now you pray. You ask God to reconcile the relationship. But if you have gone and you've humbled yourself and you've asked for forgiveness genuinely, not like my kids do, like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was effective. I felt the love. No, but if you genuinely apologize to someone and they are holding you at arm's length and that's between them and God, you know you've done what God's called you to do. And the wisdom we gain here is that God values working out our offenses more than public acts of praise. See, that's what the Pharisees were all about, right? The Pharisees, these religious people were all about, hey, look how great I am. Look at how big a gift I'm giving. Look at how high I put my hands when I worship. Look at how holy I am. And God, Jesus is saying, look, it's about the inside. It's about going and making things right with someone. That's Christianity. I mean, God loves that we raise our hands to him. God loves that we give our gifts to him. But more important is that we're right with the people in our lives. And so the question I have for you in this little section is who have you offended? that you need to try to win over? Who, whose house do you need to show up at tonight? Who's, whose phone do you need to be calling? Who, who do you need to text and say, hey, we need to get together and talk? Who do you need to humble yourself in front of? It's important. It's powerful. It's what Jesus calls us to do. And so my bottom line for you guys tonight, and then we'll talk about how to do all this and some objections, is deal 
with anger, unforgiveness, and offense today. That's what God calls us to. That's what Jesus says is so important. Deal with our anger, our, our unforgiveness, and our offense today. Don't say tomorrow anymore. No more spiritual procrastination. No more putting it off. There's too much at stake. Deal with it today. Now, how? How do we do this? Now, this is like a multifaceted answer, okay? Because um, some of us need a lot of help of God. Some of us need some support of people coming around us. And, and some of us need some counseling. Some of us need some, some time with my wife, Kelly, just talking through hurts and pain and letting her, you know, God use her to put some of the pieces of our heart back together. And that's all great. But, but the answer I can give you for today, for right now, is the how in this is that you have an up-to-date relationship with Jesus. That's how you do this. If you're here tonight saying, I just cannot forgive. I'm so angry. I cannot uh, let go of the offense. I'm not going to humble myself. How do I do this? The, the fueling of letting go of the anger and the unforgiveness and the offense is an up-to-date relationship with Jesus. How does this work? Well, when I'm spending time with Jesus in prayer, and I'm praying, and I'm asking him to forgive me of my sin, how then can I not go forgive someone else? When I'm in his word and I'm reading about how they pressed the crown of thorns into his head and he bled for me and he died in my place, the perfect son of God who had never sinned, how can I not go forgive somebody when I, here I am, just a co-sinner, struggling along, hurting others, how can I not forgive? How can I not humble myself and ask forgiveness? An up-to-date relationship with Jesus will fuel your ability do this. The people that I know that are the most humble and the most quick to apologize are also the same people that I know are close to Jesus. Sort of my, my heroes of the faith, the people that I know that I look up to so much because of how close they are to Jesus are the quickest people I know to apologize and to work something out. Because it's the relationship with Jesus that fuels all this. And just a little clue here for you, the up-to-date relationship with Jesus is the answer to every issue of our life. But let's apply it tonight to our anger, our unforgiveness, and our offense. Now let's talk about some objections. Some of you might be thinking, but Doug, I just feel like uh, I could do that, but it doesn't mean like everything today is just gonna be magically worked out. And I would say that's probably true. You know, you could, you could go show up at the person's house, you could make the phone call, and you could apologize, or you could forgive, or you could let go of the anger. That doesn't mean you're all gonna be having a great party tonight going out to Starbucks and getting a latte, right? But... Jesus doesn't call us to go do all that. He calls us to forgive today. And that's a choice we make. He calls us to let go of anger today. And that's a choice we make. He calls us to humble ourselves and ask forgiveness. And that's a choice we make. And then the restoration of the relationship is in God's hands. Another objection might be, Doug, I feel like I could do this today, but then I'm gonna just wake up tomorrow and still be angry and still be offended. Well, here's the way this works. That's the beauty of all the scriptures we read today. Jesus just says, hey, if there's unforgiveness in your heart and, you, and it's today, deal with it today. If you wake up tomorrow and it's still there, deal with it when it's still called today. Don't let the sun ever go down on it. You may have to do this for the next 100 days, but still, every day, you're, you're right where God has you. You're right where God desires you to be. And on that path, you're gonna find that God's gonna be faithful to reward and bless and show up and turn all of this for good. The last sort of objection that I want to bring up, which all of our preachers and teachers and communicators talk about every time we bring this up, is that forgiving doesn't mean that you are saying, you know what, what you did to me was acceptable, right? 
And forgiving doesn't mean that you're setting yourself up to be trampled on over and over again. Sometimes we gotta forgive from a distance. Sometimes we gotta let go of anger from a distance. Sometimes we gotta ask forgiveness and then leave that relationship at a distance, especially if physical or sexual or verbal abuse is going on. I'm not saying, hey, forgive, and then go right back into that relationship so they can do it again. No, we forgive. We let go of anger. We ask forgiveness. And then we use a lot of wisdom on what that relationship will look like. Sometimes God heals. There's people that have been sitting in the seats here in the room today. God transformed their marriage. And they could have walked away from it, but God saved it and rescued it because that's what he does. But some of that takes time. And some of that is knowing when God's gonna do that and, and when we need to keep our distance for a season. And so you're not validating what you did by forgiving. I think that's a really important thing to understand. It's like, Doug, if I say I'm sorry or if I forgive them or let go of anger, it's just validating everything they did to me. No, it's not. Because Jesus is not validating my sin when he forgives me, is he? And so being able to let go of that is the heart of God. It's what Christians do. And so we need to be serious about dealing with our anger, unforgiveness, and offense today. We just don't know how much time we have here. When I lived out by Nichols Road in Center Reach for uh, 12 years, I was really close with my neighbor. There's a guy next door much older than me. Uh, we both bonded because of our extreme baldness and love for the Mets. And so we would talk about those two wonderful things a lot. And um, he would tell me things about his life. And one of the things he was angry about Uh, especially he was angry at God about, was the fact that years before him and his two sons had had a falling out, hadn't seen his two sons in years, hadn't seen his daughter-in-laws in in years, and had several grandchildren he'd never even met. And I would talk with him, man, like, let it go, bro. I mean, work it out. And, you know, I'd be praying for him and stuff and, and just wanting so badly for him to let these things go and see God restore these relationships. So I got a call about a month ago from his wife that he had passed away. And so my wife and I went to the funeral. And you know who wasn't at the funeral? his two sons, his two daughter-in-laws, or any of his grandkids. I just thought, man, that is such a waste. Because they kept saying tomorrow. They just kept putting off what God had called them to deal with today. And I have to believe for the rest of their lives, his two sons, his daughter-in-laws, and his grandkids are gonna regret that they never made up with their dad and their grandpa. I think about all that was wasted, all that was lost. I mean, 12 plus years of missing out on on your grandkids' baseball games, basketball games, standing on the sidelines cheering those kids on. I think about, you know, prom dates and, and first dates and who knows, weddings for these grandkids. Missed out on because these two parties couldn't let go of the anger and the unforgiveness and the offense. Man, my heart is that would be none of us here in this room that we would let go of the things that we've been hanging on to and that we would do it today. And if we do, could it be that God would restore some relationships? And could it be that that wedge that we felt between us and God would be removed? Because that's the truth of all the things we're talking about tonight. They don't just drive a wedge between us and a person. They drive a wedge between us and God as long as we um, refuse to deal with them. And so a couple questions, then we'll close. What anger do you need to deal with today? What do you need to let go of? Who do you need to forgive today? Who do you need to have a conversation with after service? Who do you need to ask forgiveness of today? Maybe as soon as I close in prayer, you're out the door. 
and it's time to deal before you bring your offering of worship to God with that situation. And we'll see God restore. And we'll know we're walking the path he has for us. And we'll stop delaying the blessing and the good thing that he's trying to bring to us. If you're not a follower of Jesus, everything I've said today can apply to you. But, but here's what I want to say to you. You know, the amazing thing about this relationship with God is that the anger that God rightfully could have against me and against you for our sin was taken out on Jesus on the cross. The unforgiveness that God could harbor toward you and toward me was wiped away when Jesus died on the cross. The offense that you and I have committed against God was removed by Jesus on the cross. And so you have the opportunity today to experience the forgiveness of God, the love of God, a relationship with Jesus, and no anger from him, no anger, no unforgiveness, and no holding on to any offenses. He loves you. He wants you to be free of the guilt and the weight that you might carry around for the sin in your life, just like there's sin in my life that God's forgiven and removed from me. And so if you'd like to put your trust in Jesus, we're gonna give you the opportunity to do that in just a minute. But if you're a follower of Jesus, let's pray about those three things. And let's deal with our anger, unforgiveness, and offense today. Let's pray. God, we just bring these things before you. This is not easy. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, dealing with this today is easy or good, but the outcome will be good. We're starting maybe a difficult path today, a difficult conversation, but the outcome will be blessed. So I pray to give us some long-term lenses here, God, to see into the future of what you would have for us, Lord God, the restoration and the good you want to bring out of all this, and that, Lord, we would just look like you. If for no other reason, if you weren't to restore any relationship in our life, if we were just so moved by the fact that you love us and have forgiven us, that, God, that would drive and motivate us to do that for others. So if you're a father in Jesus, would you pray about the anger? Would you pray about the unforgiveness? Would you pray about the offense and would you decide before you leave today as I look out the windows right now, the sun is still up to deal with these issues. Let your relationship with Jesus fuel your ability to let these things go. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, you can just pray something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you so much for forgiving me of all my sin, for not holding anger against me, for not being angry at my offenses against you. Thank you for dying in my place and for removing my sin. Would you help me to see how real you are? And would you help me, God, to be able to let go of the anger, unforgiveness, and offense that I tend to hold on to?